me. <laughs> oh my God, Lord. He has hair on his head and not on Why his face. Is. Can I have this in a wallet? <laughs> what a handsome young man. You gotta give the people what they want. That's funny. Oh, uh, you gotta give the people that's what they want. That shirt, I bet that that's shirt. My, that's I my two that brothers and my sister. More than a toilet seat. Obviously, that's my family. That's my... Did you make that? <laughs> you make that shirt? Uh, we'll take a brief break and come back with a uh, conversation with Lance. You guys are ridiculous. Cut! Check Complete, a referee podcast, is an educational resource for referees by referees, designed to connect and develop soccer officials of all ages and skill levels to better serve the game both on and off the field. The Check Complete Podcast is back. It's season number two, episode number 10. Excited to be back here uh, for some more outstanding, I mean, we're a little biased, but some outstanding content for the Check Complete Podcast. Uh, Ryan Cook's here. We'll get to you in a minute. You can just sit tight, sir. Take a I number. I appreciate the threat. Yeah. And uh, then we also uh, have a, an outstanding segment with Lance Van Heitsma. Uh, and uh, it, it's awesome. So Lance is, Lance is the man, but so is Ryan. Lance, you're welcome for making you look good. There you here go. There we go. That's right. A true assistant referee here. Yes, that's what I do. That's who you is. Um, <laughs> it is. That's who More than I wanted to be, I think. Yeah. So here's, here's uh, T. Ryan Cook with us tonight, um, and we're excited to have you here. Well, it's, it's night when we're filming this, Yeah. but it could be any time of day when you're listening to this um, or, and or watching it. So we're here with with Ryan and Ryan he's he's got some experience. He's got some experience. So Ryan um national former national assistant referee. Correct. Um for 38 nope, not quite. How many years? <laughs> uh all included 9. So there was an injury in there. Candidate year was 2013. Uh Kyle Atkins and I were candidates the same year if you can believe that or not. Uh they shot him in a rocket ship up to pro and then FIFA, and we know the rest of the story. And right. I stayed back and held down the fort in USL Championship and NWSL, which I loved, um, knocking on the door of MLS. Hopefully, but you never know when you can get that call. But off Kyle went. I was with John, same time. We traveled together, so it was a fun time. But um, 2013 through 2021 was my last year as a national okay. AR. So. There you go. And you are still actively officiating soccer at various levels. You still work collegiate soccer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So you work in a handful of different conferences, all the local stuff around here, as well as at the Division One level in the Big big 12. 12-ish. Um, I didn't get any games this year, but I did get games last year. Okay. And then the SEC, uh, the Valley, um, AAC... They took a game away from me because they got rescheduled, um, such as life. Um, yes. So, and then the Heart of America, which is NAIA around here, um, I still do referee coaching for our local Kansas yes. Referee Association. Um, anything to help better the referee the game or maybe make it worse. No, uh, you're helping. You're I helping. Know. I don't know. And, and then additionally, for your everyday life. Mm -hmm. You work in education. I do. I work in special education at a high school here in Kansas City. 
and I'm also the assistant varsity coach for the boys and girls at Blue Valley West. Go Jags. There's my shameless plug. There you um, go. Here in Overland Park. So. Home of the Jaguars. Correct. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, but close. Yeah, Jaguars. You're getting better. I'm getting better. Hold on. Getting better. Home of the Jaguars. Uh, okay, so um, lots of perspective around the game. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk refereeing. How did you? How, I don't know if I've ever heard this story. How did you get started in refereeing? <laughs> Excuse me. Rye, rye. Well, I did as a kid, and then I went and played college soccer. Um, had for a, a phenomenal career at Avila University, yeah. uh, where I played half the time, I think. Yeah. And then got out, thought, you know, I need to make some more cash mm-hmm. just out of college. I'll start refereeing again. I yelled at a lot of referees in college. It can't be that hard. Um, started out doing high school games, went and did some USSF, U.S. soccer games, um, and then said, you know what? How do I get the next biggest game? Mm. And it stayed that way for years. Uh, college games, which was, you know, junior college and so on and so forth. Um, and then amateur games, traveling for amateur regionals, which is adult regionals. Um, and then, oh, my God, I have a chance to declare as a national assistant referee sure i'll do that kyle and john are doing it john's already there i can do this Mm. even though i'm five six years older fine tell me i can't do it and i just kept going and it still was until 2021 i just want the next biggest game and yeah that's what you work toward and they get fewer and farther between but you're just trying to get better every game so you can get that next biggest game no matter what level that ends up being at how did you decide AR? Um, I, <laughs> I had met in, I shouldn't say in passing, but in some college playoff games, every once in a while you'll get a FIFA that's from around the area. Like uh, Edvin Zirasevich, I know, was a big effect on me. The one game he came down and did a playoff game at Rockhurst University. Um, and I had met some other FIFAs, and they just had a different personality. They were much more thorough. They were much more focused, much more. It seemed just had a more intense personality mm-hmm. than I felt like I had. And um, they just had that ability to very, be very relaxed no matter the situation. Um, and I felt like, not to mention, I think they had a higher level of, I felt in my own harshness to myself, mm-hmm. they had a higher level of fitness than I did. Mm. Um, I might have been faster, but they just—they I feel like they could have ran forever, um, and they just read the game so well from a bird's eye view perspective, um, and I was just really good at helping and getting the black and white decisions correct, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so as far as you know, referees can do something differently in the 15th minute than the 80th minute, but everybody understands what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like I had that ability at that time. So um, I think I made the right choice. I was just more of a black and white person. It's, you know, details and whatever you can justify. So that's what I felt like. As a better assistant referee, which is a lot of people thought Kyle Atkins was a better referee and they were shocked when he went assistant referee. So, Mm -hmm. but I also laughed a few times with John Freeman uh, because we still talk every once in a while, but 
a long time ago, he actually called me after his one of his college playoff games as an assistant. And he goes, Ryan, how in the world do you do this? <laughs> the third sprint, I was seeing double, and there's no way I can call an offside or, you know, keep it down when I'm seeing twice as many players. I was like, we just do it, you know? Yeah. So it's just a different perspective, and I just felt like I was a better fit for assistant. So your path upward... You mm -hmm. said you just wanted to kind of get the next biggest game. That was some innate within you um, competitiveness coming out. Would you? Would that be a fair yeah. thing? Um, so I, yeah, I think it was just competitiveness as far as like, because um, there were some people, some doubters that were just like, well, you're too old, you know, you don't, you know, John's, John was a state referee for three years and he's, six seven i don't know how many years younger than i am mm -hmm. um you know by the time you get there they'll say no which they may have been right but i if i felt like if i never tried i'd never know so yeah yeah let's see where it takes me and yeah. um i it, there was a time i was i felt like well i'm this much older and they're already recognized i might make a i might make it to national on a nisoa level which is the college level national they have their own brand of national referee um mm -hmm. and then lo and behold nine years later i have been i was a national u.s soccer assistant referee doing usl championship usl1 usl2 nwsl um i actually got a fourth luckily enough in the mls when rubio vasquez couldn't make it in from charlotte in time um i had arguably one of the biggest games in kansas city between uh, FC Dallas and Sporting Kansas City, um, an Open Cup in 2017, um, which was so much fun. Um, but it was a huge, huge game. It was the year Neil Patterson passed away. Actually, mm -hmm. it was that week, passed away, mm -hmm. and then they ended up winning the Open Cup that year. So Wow, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Um, but, yeah, you just – how do I get the next one? And it, 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 comes, yeah. it comes when you don't expect it. Right. So that's that was the tough part for me, and you know, balancing schedule all that stuff. So right, and I and I ask. I know there's tons of folks right that are on this journey. Mm -hmm. They're trying to navigate this themselves. But we also, in the various admin roles and leadership roles, we find ourselves in, in the referee community, are always. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, but I think it's always a point of conversation. Of what lights the fire? What flips the switch? for referees. And so I think that's, that's where that question starts to come from, or at least that observation, because I know we're always trying to figure out, it's like in education, mm -hmm. not everybody learns the same way. Similarly with refereeing, not everyone is motivated and takes the next steps for the same reasons right. and has the same type of things. And so I think it's just always fascinating for me to hear, this isn't a question, it's just a statement, I yeah. guess, but it's always fascinating for me to hear what is it that catapults people into the next level? Right. And I think for a lot of folks, especially that have been around the game, it's that internal competitiveness that goes, no, I, I want to do something bigger yes. and better. Yeah. What's next? And there's so many different ways to do it, right? Like I remember yeah. Brian Hall at an RTS saying he met a Brazilian referee that in a cab uh, told him, he goes, hey, I'm going to tell you a secret, uh, but you can't tell anybody. He goes, yeah, what is it? And he goes, I've never read the law book. <laughs> this is a Brazilian FIFA referee, right? I mean, biggest country in the world for soccer, arguably. And, but on the other hand, I know I'm going to use Kyle. Kyle Atkins, I feel like I, I was kind of always jealous of this ability. 
I felt like he could read the laws of the game and picture exactly what was going on mm-hmm. as if it were a game being written out. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Whereas if I read it, I'd go, oh, but that's why I watch a million games so I can make sure I catch right. that one moment yeah. uh, that makes that makes it make sense, right? So um, I'm a visual learner. I think a lot of people are visually learners like that. So uh, the law book was never my strength. I had to see it happen. And I watched the top level people because most of the time they do it correctly. Yeah. That's why they're there. So, um, but yeah, right. that's whatever, however you want to do it and however, whatever drives you, do it. Because the more people that try to get better, the better off everybody else has to get. Absolutely. So raising the bar collectively. Yeah. So, um, okay. So your experiences along the way, I'm sure there's a thousand stories. At least, at least. Of just. And not even just on the field, like off right. the field, definitely off the field. It was the journey. It's always the journey that's the most fun to talk about. It's, yeah, forgetting stuff and, um, yeah, what, you know, what you come across just in different, uh, you know, adult games and because professionals, it's so, everybody has their job and does it really well. Sure. So the crazy, funny stuff doesn't happen there. Yeah. It's the adult stuff that's thrown together and mm-hmm. no disrespect to people that do adult regionals and whatever, but they're still adults that are not professionals and <laughs> they're glad to be there or, you know, they don't care because it's adult regionals. And I mean, John Freeman had a goalkeeper keep a cigarette in his glove and smoke on the other end of the field when the game was going on <laughs> the wow. field. And he had no idea. Like the photographer for the tournament goes, man, we had the goalkeeper smoking on the field today. And John goes, this is ridiculous. Something crazy happens every year here. Let me see the pictures. So he shows him the pictures and John's like, that looks, that's my goalkeeper. He was smoking on my game. I've never laughed so hard in my life. That's crazy. I never knew you guys refereed Kenny. He wasn't a goalkeeper. Oh, he wasn't a, wasn't a goalkeeper. Okay. But he does smoke on the field. He's <laughs> in his knee brace. It's your infant. Anyway. Correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That is that is wild. Yes. I remember this is such a stupid random story. And we can cut this if we want to. Don't you dare. Um, I When I was playing at the back end, like my senior year of high school, I had gotten cut from the baseball team. Mm-hmm. Uh there's still some pending litigation there. But Fine. anyway. Um, You're not bitter anymore. So yeah, it sounds we're good. on the five-yard line with that lawsuit yes. against Olathe. Sounds like it. Never mind. Anyway, um, but when I got cut, because I was apparently you have to be able to hit a baseball to, to play baseball. But Details. Uh, Go ahead. I was just playing Olathe Youth Baseball, just rec ball with my buddies. Mm-hmm. And I got a hold of one, you know, into, into left field best feeling in the world yeah but i hit it i mean i i mean it was a it was a rope and i hit it at this guy and um he was actively texting when i hit the ball too did he still catch it yes (laughs) i'm still so mad that's probably what i'm 33 the thing is i said you were so good though i bet that was just like you know, 
I was so mad because I didn't hit a ball. I didn't. I couldn't hit a baseball. My dad was always like, "Is your swing in slow motion?" Like I could not <sighs> get the bat to go. I mean, I could, and I was a decent first baseman, but nobody Thanks wanted to. Nobody wanted a defensive. I'm sure that was. At a, I'm first. sure that was an American League outfielder though, standing there. I'm sure of it. Yeah, he went on to play. He's been in the major leagues for ten plus years oh, now. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, sorry everybody for Ryan getting us off topic there. But um, so as far as your you're just journey, trying to even. I think you're just trying to even. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Tangents. Uh, gosh, no, that's so good. And I'm sure there's a thousand stories, but I think that's, I love that, you know, that you're and, and anybody that's been in officiating and anybody that shoot anybody that wants to get into officiating the journey, investing yourself into it, investing, getting involved, throwing yourself into it and, and meeting people and, and, getting better together and being on the journey together is such a joyous thing to be it's honest wonderful. The, i mean i i really learned that's the only way to live life right like yeah. this was a hobby and if you don't if you don't go all in it's not it's not fun yeah so go all in and you never know what's going to happen like it's not a destination some people i have to make it in the mls or i have to be a yeah right there you you have so little control over that. It's unbelievable. Right. So, um, yeah, just go do your best, do your best game that day, whatever, and do it for as long as you can. It's when you need to take a breath and step away, step away. If you want to come back and you, after you vented and cried and whatever, yeah, go back. If you don't, fine. Yeah. But it's go good. all in. Good. Go all in. Because you never know. So you've been on the coaching side now for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, this provides, you know, you've you've kind of completed the trifecta, right? You yeah, play. I'm getting old. It means I'm getting old. It's okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw you chewing through the <clears throat> child safety thing on that ibuprofen just a second ago. Don't I did. think I didn't it see that. It tastes good. If you guys haven't tried it, oh, couldn't okay. open it because he had a beverage in his other hand, so he's over there just gnawing on that thing to get the ibuprofen in his system. Anyway, it's not a. Is that? A, it's okay. It's okay. Anyway, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Um, so, as Somewhere. far as your coaching side of things, you played, you, you officiated at a very high level, um, and, and your coaching, what has that added to your, I guess, concept of the game of soccer? Is that a fair <laughs> question? It seems like a bad question. <laughs> it's a terrible question, but I'll yeah. answer it because I love you. Um, it's... Like, I know people complain about efficient. Like, there's a shortage in youth sports officiating nationwide. So yeah. stop beating the kids up, okay? Right. Let them learn. And if they're not there, your kids don't have a game anyway. So right. let that be a lesson. So anyway, um, I have learned, like, I always used to, like, people would tell me stories or ask me a question, and I would think it was just a one-off. And I'm like, it can't be that bad in... Well, and I'm in, I coach high school, so I use high school. It can't be that bad. So many games in high school sports. And now that I'm coaching, I, it's that bad. <laughs> it really is that bad. And I, and I think soccer is one of the worst because it's so subjective. And we do have a, like officials do have a short shelf life, no matter what level. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. <laughs> People come in and are learning. It's going to be a rough game. So yeah, it's, it's but it's really hard to justify that for kids because they don't. They think, well, everything's got to be fair. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, well, life's not fair, really. And it's hard to teach them that lesson, even at a, at that level. But it's, it, it's tough. It really is. Because it's, you're trying to be consistent and you're trying to make it look easy. And so people don't get bent out of shape and it's, it's tough. So it, it's, it, you have to pull lessons out of it for the kids. Right. So it's, yeah. you know, life's not fair. Um, you know, what can you, what can you, can you go through the adversity and right. You know, when whatever, um, but compete and yeah, you're going to have adversity your whole life. So, and we, it, but it's, it's tough. It really is. Yeah. And, and I know the phrase gets thrown around in a, in a joking way of sorts, at least sometimes in our community, but this idea of extension of the classroom, there's a lot of truth in that, right? Like these are learning opportunities. High school games. Sport. Yes. And I mean, right. college athletes are still a student athlete, right? Right. Um, even though it's at a high level scholarships, all that stuff. They're still student athletes. So, yeah, I mean, right, right. So where do you see, and you've already talked about it, it being a little rough out there sometimes, where do you see the biggest deficiencies? Um, and I know this could seem like a piling on uh, the officials in our area, but I have a hunch that it's not just Kansas City, the no, Kansas it's side, not, right? It is, it's, it is not isolated to the Kansas City area or right. Kansas area. Um, so I think the biggest efficiency is just, first of all, it's numbers. Right. So, um, you know, I, a long time ago, our assigner here locally that assigned high school games said it was two and a half officials, soccer officials to every one game. And basketball at that time was eight to one. Mm. Well, you need mm -hmm. three officials for soccer and basketball. There's eight to one for basketball. Right. There's two and a half to one for soccer. Something's got to give. Right. right. So, um, and then there's other factors like there's college season going on and right. Take out those variables, but just officials that are signed up to do high school soccer. Um, I would imagine it's worse now. So, yeah. um, in a deficiency, I, th I think it's just, I think the biggest one is football understanding and yeah. just knowing the rules and not the nuances of the rules. The rules um, is the biggest thing. But the, and football understanding, I think, comes with just being around the game and watching. Um, it, yeah, I think that's a big part of it, but that comes with time. So, right. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, that's a big, that's a big wave to surf, my friend. Yeah, it's extremely challenging. And I think when you, and even though you're on the coaching side, a lot of what you do is referee development around the game and can be a resource for the assigners and those of us that are in development aspects, um, which, you know, it is challenging. I think there's some days where you look at it and you go, we are, I'm staring at a, a hill that I can't even begin to climb. There's other days where you feel like, hey, we're in this together. We can, yes. we've got the ropes, we've got the tools needed. And I think, um, yeah, it's, the, it's I, I think now it's, it's tougher, but it's easier. So there's so much technology, almost every game's filmed. Right. Um, if not, somebody filmed it somewhere, uh, and they could throw it on a, you know, a VO or whatever. There's so many other, there's so many technological avenues. And if you can, from an education standpoint, just get somebody thinking about what they're doing right? and then encourage them to keep doing the things they did well. And then 
here's some stuff to improve upon and not a one scenario thing, but something that's a pattern. Like I, I try to tell my players, I'm not going to tell you something that you can correct from a situation yesterday. It's not going to happen for two and a half more years. Mm -hmm. I want to correct something that you habitually do that if you change this a little bit, it's going to drastically change your game. Right. Um, that to me is coach. Like if you get one thing at a time, but the biggest thing at a time. Right? Yeah. Um, sometimes it was even when I was a national and a pro coach would coach me, I was like, Oh my God, they're right. That happens so much. I do. I do look away from the field a lot. I mm. never thought about it, but if I kept staring at the field a lot, I bet I would miss less or, mm. you know, like just something that small can be so big in your right. game. So, right. It's, it's doing that and helping the, the people that, because high school, high school officials, that just sign up for high school, they don't get any training. Right. They get no training whatsoever. If they, oh, you encourage them to do through U.S. soccer so they can get a little bit of education, but thank God they sign up because otherwise the high school games wouldn't be covered. Right. So right. it's, it's a double-edged sword. Final kind of uh, prompt or question for you as you've gone through your journey and this might be an unfair thing to ask, but do you have a piece or pieces of advice that have stood out to you that you could pass on to others? As officials? Yeah. Moving up. Um, take the initiative. Be coachable. Um, they're kind of life lessons. I know it sounds cliche, but go get it. Nobody's going to give you anything. In fact, I think that was my candidate year. I, I'm soon to be married. My girlfriend then had a friend in Arizona, and I knew I had family in Carolina and Minnesota. There weren't teams there yet, but I just said, Hey, do you want a few weekends to go travel? And we, I asked them about a certain weekend that that team had a home game. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to be in the area, a signer. Would you mind? That's when they had local, like mm -hmm. I think pro assigned two people and then local signed a fourth, a or two. Um, but I took the initiative, saved him a bill on a hotel and a flight, mm -hmm. and did a game. Now, I still had to crush the game. Sure. But I still, I, I asked, and here you go. Mm -hmm. um, but all I had to do was ask. Yeah. So uh, that, to me, is taking the initiative. And then, as an AR, I didn't have to pay for an assessor because they were professional-level games. Right. They were, I think they were USL... It wasn't called championship then. It was just USL. So um, I did, and well, one of them was, two of them were NASL, Carolina Railhawks, and then Minnesota United. I'm pointing like there's a map. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Yeah. Uh, what else do you see in here? Tell us. Phoenix uh, Lights. Uh, I see the lights. What are the voices saying? <laughs> Gee, uh, you better edit that, you little jerks. Um, Phoenix, Arizona. Was the first time I actually I worked with Kevin Stott. Mm. Oh my God, what a great dude! Um, and I embarrass myself as I usually do, like I did just now. Oddly enough, um, you're doing great, Kevin. Funny story about so this is my first ever. The story I earned the story. I asked for the game. They gave me the game. Kevin Stott's coming off um, paternity leave, and Pro made him do three USL games in the middle before. 
he the MLS. went in the MLS again. Yeah, yeah. We're in Phoenix, Arizona. Seven o'clock kickoff. It's still a hundred degrees easily. Mm. Um, but it's a dry heat. Oh, whatever. It's yeah, as John heat. says, it's still an oven. You ever refereed in an oven? It's, it's terrible. It's people that, oh, it's a dry so, Yeah, and then you try to manage somebody when you've been running, and you're just like... <laughs> right. Yeah. Every, so, every game. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm with the crew, and one of the crewmates go, goes, we're long sleeve? And I go, are you kidding me? It's 100 degrees outside. What referees are going to wear long sleeve in this heat? Oh. I'm like... I'm going to sweat my tail off. Are you nuts? And he, he looks at me and goes, and I go, oh my God, I'm so stupid. <laughs> Kevin's putting on long sleeves. He always wears long always. sleeves. Always. So he just laughs and said, he, he goes, do whatever you're comfortable in. Um, and I, I just walked out and didn't look at anybody from the rest yeah. of but, um, but he was phenomenal. He Phenomenal guy, phenomenal person, phenomenal referee. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was fun, but that was, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, God, Ryan, just shut up. Foot just in shut mouth. Up. Yeah. Been there, been there. Just like you guys are going to be like, Ryan, just shut up. Just shut up now. Ryan, oh. just shut up. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> you behind the camera. There you long go. Sleeves. Ryan, long, this is. Well, and you know what? My mom said I always had a face for radio, so. I'm, yeah. yeah. No, she you're was like, right. Yeah. <laughs> The guys behind the camera tonight are ruthless. Sassy. Isn't he an intern? Yeah. He's just an intern. Yeah. Hey, go get me a coffee. Coffee. Uh, get you a coffee. I'll get right on All right. Well, this has been great, Ryan. We have thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed We could talk for a long, long time. We do talk for a long, long time. Um, Every time. There's a lot that can be discussed. Uh, it's good to have um, people like Ryan in your referee community. And uh, I'm thankful for what you do and who you are. Uh, personally and professionally. I feel like you're going to put a hashtag fake news from that line, the last line you just did. But Yeah, we're going to edit it. in a, uh, a big butt. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, so Ryan, thanks for your time, man. It's so good to hear about your story, the ways that you, um, you know, have grown and developed as you climb the ladder and then ways that you're giving back now and making such a huge impact on so many student athletes as well as referees. Um, is just that, doing was my that best. what I was supposed to say? Okay. Just doing my <laughs> best, but it's always an honor being with you. So yes. I appreciate the invite. No, it's awesome. So thanks for your time. Uh, we'll take a brief break and come back with a conversation with Lance. The Check Complete podcast is brought to you in part by JF Consulting Tax Preparation and Bookkeeping. Taxes suck. We can help. All right, super excited today to chat with um, somebody that uh, has done a lot of good work in a lot of areas. Uh, Lance Lance Van Heitzma here with us. Um, we would we would take a lot of time to really go through all the things that you're involved in and all of your accolades and things you've been a part of. So we will just have you introduce yourself, give us a little bit of the, the Reader's Digest version of who you are and uh, what you do, and then we'll jump into some of your story. But first and foremost, Lance, thanks so much for your time. Gordy, thank you very much for having me. I know this has been a, uh, a long time coming. Um, I know we've tried to connect in different moments uh, with our busy schedules, so I'm really happy that I'm able to join the Check Complete podcast uh, and be part of this community you know, that you've, you've started. Um, you know, some basic introductions about me. I'm originally from Michigan. Um, I went to school and 
in Ohio. Then I went back into Michigan, a uh, former player in college. But uh, I became, you know, a referee when I was in Michigan. Um, just like many of us, I became a referee because of the money. You know, I needed a job at a young age and I was... Mm -hmm. It was some good way to make some extra cash and stay involved in the game. Um, I thought it was easy. I said, hey, anybody can do it. I've seen some of my my local referees when I played. I was like, anybody can do this. But you, you get a reality check quickly, um, realizing that it is much more difficult than uh, being than what you witness as a spectator. So started in Michigan, grew up in Michigan, Western Michigan, Grand Rapids area. Uh, then I moved to Florida when I graduated from Western Michigan back in 2006. Um, just before I moved to Florida, I was starting to realize that there was a path uh, for refereeing. Um, this was back when U.S. soccer had the grading system. So at that point, I was a grade eight and I had been a grade eight for, I don't know, three years. I uh, started off doing high school games and then I worked to youth soccer. Then I realized, you know, being around individuals, you know, around my same age um, in my in the 20s, that there's opportunities for advancement. Um, so I was starting to become uh, starting to advance to my grade seven. I moved to Florida. Uh, I was very fortunate to move where I did in Florida, in uh, West Palm Beach, uh, in South Florida in particular, just because of our the strong network of of officials and refereeing and development in the state of florida under at that time joseph mcna the sra the former sra uh, we had uh, a really good group that a really good support system where it allowed me to advance uh from seven six to five to national referee status um so and, and allowed me also to get involved in um local uh uh, executive boards, whether it be for my high school chapter or my college chapter, um, as well as my U.S. soccer helping out with my, with the state of Florida. So I moved to Florida. I've been in Florida ever since. As a FIFA futsal referee for a yeah. handful of years. Um, went to FIFA Futsal World Cup in 2016 in Colombia. It was an incredible experience to represent mm -hmm. my country. Uh, it really hit me when and put everything in perspective, being able to do the walkouts uh, at an international tournament. And even though it wasn't my national anthem, my country's national anthem being played, but being there when it was the Brazilian national anthem being played, the Argentinian national anthem being played, as well as the FIFA, the official FIFA walkout music, uh, it makes you realize that all the hard work and sacrifice, because if it was easy, anybody could do it. I say that yeah. about anything in life. Mm -hmm. uh, so to have that opportunity it really puts things in perspective. And it's like when they say like your life flashes before your eyes, that's really what yeah. it was yeah. in terms of my referee life. Um, right. So it was an incredible moment. Um, a couple more uh, international tournaments uh, outside of the World Cup. And then I had an incredible opportunity uh, to come work at CONCACAF as the manager of refereeing in 2019, at the end of 2019. Uh, it was, a, I would say it was the easiest difficult decision I ever had to make in my life. Because mm. the, the, the easy part was working for CONCACAF. You know, I've always wanted to work for my confederation uh, back when I was a state level referee uh, 
in early 2010, 2009, I was able to be a liaison for Gold Cup. I was able to be a liaison for uh, local seminars that they would host in Fort Lauderdale. So for me, like I always wanted to be part of that. Uh, and I always thought it was my dream to work for CONCACAF and it still is my dream and I'm living my dream. So, yeah. but the flip side of that was I had to retire from the FIFA futsal panel at an earlier age um, with so much, you know, still so many more goals to reach. So I always firmly believe that when one door closes, another one opens and it allowed me an incredible opportunity here at CONCACAF to, to make a difference and to uh, focus on referee development at a higher level. Um, same, same as, you know, uh, the work we do at NISOA. Uh, NISOA really paved the way for me in my referee career, the college game. Um, it provided opportunities, uh, high level football and soccer in a safe, sterile environment mm -hmm. where you can really hone your craft and work on your officiating, uh, yeah. as well as your professionalism. Mm -hmm. And then being able to be involved in NISOA leadership, getting my start there, which propelled me to have the resume and to have the uh, the background needed to work at CONCACAF because, you know, there's a lot of strategic planning. There's a lot of educational content, um, which, you know, NISOA really prepared me uh, for this position I have now at CONCACAF. So I know that's kind of a lot. Um, but I'm sure we will get into some nitty gritties here, uh, talking about some details, which, you know, yeah. I'm happy to just be part of the the podcast. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And I I don't think I've ever really heard your story. And so I was anxious to hear you unpack some of that. And like, I, and like you said, we will, we will dig into some of those specifics. Um, but it, yeah, I, to rewind a little bit back into your early days in officiating, I think one thing that those of us that are in state level leadership are wondering is what is it that's going to, because we acknowledge, right? When I teach entry level clinics, I always say, okay, why are you here? And if the answer is money, A, that's okay. But B, I want to know what the number two reason is, right? Like I'm curious on what that, what drives people to come into this. And so, and then I'm very curious on what is it that, propels people down the pathway how 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 does the bug bite certain people and i know it's like education right you there's not one way that people learn there's not one way that people get kind of swept up into this refereeing could be something so um i'm kind of putting you on the spot but was there were there pieces or was there something that was kind of like okay it started out as money but now i'm thinking this could be something more and maybe you already mentioned that and I missed it, but I'm just curious. No, absolutely. Um, if you're in it for money, you're not going to go very far and you're not yeah. going to be in it yeah. very long because there's only so far it's going to take you uh, and you're going to be miserable if you're only mm -hmm. doing it for the money. So money is good because it's nice to be uh, fairly compensated for the work you do, as well as, uh, you know, at a young age, seeing, making some extra cash, typically it may be, you know, one of your first jobs, or maybe it's a, a side hustle for you uh, to be able to purchase and afford different things. But you really have to have the passion for it. You have to have the passion, yeah. the love for the game, not just for refereeing, mm -hmm. but for the game. Yeah. You have to enjoy soccer. 
Um, that's why, you know, former players make um, great officials, especially at the younger age, because they, they start with a higher foundation, um, with a baseline, because of their knowledge of the game and their love for the game, you know, uh, and to, to move into advance and stay with it, it's really the support system you have. Yeah. Knowing there are opportunities out there that are bigger than your backyard and yeah. a yeah. pathway to those opportunities with people willing to help you. Yeah. Uh, and that's what really, I think, started with me is I had some really good mentors in Michigan. Uh, my, my local high school assigner and, U and U.S. soccer tournament assigner, Jerry Ouellette from Battle Creek, Michigan was uh, phenomenal for me. You know, he, mm -hmm. he gave me a lot of opportunities, took some risks, you know, not necessarily knowing me too well in the beginning and then working with me. Um, another person to John Nadzum, who from the Kalamazoo area, Golate, Richland area, was uh, somebody I worked with on a regular basis and somebody who I wanted to emulate uh, because of the way he officiated, the way he had... Uh, professional interactions with the players and the coaches because we know that's a, a total different skill set with communication to players and coaches and that can really yeah. make or break your game your game control specifically so you know I had those two as well as countless others that really helped me and showed me that there is a pathway if you want it um, I was given the opportunity as a grade eight referee not knowing a whole lot to travel outside of the state of Michigan mm -hmm. to, for a tournament in Chicago, Illinois, best of the Midwest for over a Memorial Day weekend. And that's where I got to be with a group of probably, it was like 15, 20 referees in their 20s to early 30s that were in different points in their career from grade eight all the way up to grade five, which I'd never even heard of at that time or seen somebody. Yeah. And so being around these individuals that were, around the same age that were, that had the same um, interests uh, and we could relate to one another being around the same age as well, that I thought to myself, wow, like if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And I yeah. want to do it. So that's how I got hooked, you know, yeah. and then seeing that there are opportunities elsewhere, you know, wanting to, you know, I've always been a firm believer of writing down goals, write mm. down your goals, because if mm. you write it down, it becomes, you become accountable to it. So I would go and I would write down my goals. I, I was very early in my referee career. So my goals might've been, I want to referee 50 games this year at all levels. Mm -hmm. I want to uh, upgrade to grade seven by next year. You know, things like that, where it was like, they were attainable, but at the same time, they were long, they were goals that took more than just like a month to, to accomplish. Right. So that's how I got hooked. I got hooked because of the support system I had. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And so now did you find, before we get into some of the specifics of, of, I mean, I want to talk about futsal. I want to talk about, and I saw, I want to talk about CONCACAF. Um, you found yourself in, like you said, when you got to Florida into some board leadership roles, and then obviously the leadership roles you're in now, um, you know, what were some of the factors? I'm assuming that some of those people early on that invested in you, I know for me, I, that has really motivated me to be into leadership roles and to, that's what keeps me doing sometimes this work of, that can be really a bit of a grind and a little bit of frustration and mm -hmm. in referee development and that kind of thing. So 
I'm assuming that some of those people were some of the the reasons why you're in this now, or just naturally, it seems like you have a, I mean, you communicate so well, you have a penchant for leadership and do really well in those things, but were some of those people, the factors, and were there other reasons that you find yourself being drawn, especially to this referee development uh, slant? Yeah. I mean, it started with, you know, when I moved down here in Florida in 2006, uh, I didn't know anybody. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're moving into a new area. Yeah. I wouldn't even say I was big fish in small pond. I was still small fish in small pond coming from Michigan, coming from West West Michigan, which is wasn't uh, known to produce uh, top level uh, officials. Um, Jason White is a prime example of that, who still works in MLS. But at that point, mm-hmm. Jason was either a grade five or he was just becoming a national referee. Uh, Mm -hmm. so he was still on his journey to becoming, uh, to reach the top. So he was really Mm -hmm. the, the first person and then Nick Belzer came later, um, Mm -hmm. as people who came through from West Michigan, but in West Michigan, you had to travel to Detroit area to get your adult game count in order to upgrade. And I hadn't, I wasn't there yet. So when I moved to uh, Florida, the state referee minister, Carlos Felino from Michigan, who's still there, incredible mm-hmm. person, incredible yeah. person who, you know, he helped me transition down to South Florida by making a phone call to the SRA Joseph Mikna down here um, to kind of let him know that, hey, I got this kid who's moving to Florida. He's, you know, he's just starting his referee career, seems very professional. I've got a lot of good feedback about him. You know, I just wanted to put you, put him on your radar. So that's where I got, um, you know, where I got my introduction down to Florida. And then it mm-hmm. was, um, you know, showing up, you know, attending high school meetings because down here we have high school meetings. I joined both Broward and Palm Beach high school chapters. Uh, I would attend their meetings, do games. Like I really wanted to let people know that, uh, you know, who I was, um, let them know. Sure. That I'm available, that, you know, this is what I want to do. And you have to find out who's, who are the people that can make things happen for you. Not every executive board or not every organization can provide you, they can, they're limited in the opportunities. So I wanted to be in different areas because that's where I, I wanted to reach the top. Um, and I think it started with really just the professionalism. Like, I can't tell you of all the games I've officiated, I've been, I guess you'd say maybe fortunate that I've never missed a game that I've accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even remember being late to a game. I think for me, being late was 15 minutes prior to kickoff, which may have happened less than a handful of times due to traffic issues. Right. But, you know, I was always the person, and I think that speaks volumes when you're younger, because when yeah. you're younger, you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of, interests that pull you in different directions right Mm -hmm. activities so being somebody who's responsible being somebody who's on time uh being somebody who's professional on and off the field uh being active when you're in meetings with asking questions appropriate questions as well as participating in educational sessions actively participating not just physically being there but also uh, mentally being there, yeah, uh, really, I think made people think that, oh, like, who's this guy? Like, this guy could be somebody down the road that could have a future in helping lead organizations. 
Mm-hmm. I was also a school teacher at that time, uh, middle school and high school science back and forth uh, for eight years. So, you know, during that time frame too, I became better with my platform skills, uh, mm-hmm. people management skills, communication skills, which, you know, translates both into refereeing and also into leadership positions. And I think too, it's also a natural, there's always a natural progression with leadership uh, executive boards looking for um, looking for a mixture of experience versus uh, uh, youth and new ideas yep. and people sure. who are, who have energy, you know, cause I think that's probably the biggest thing what I noticed when you know I was with, when I became uh, on the executive board with NYSOA, like I was part of my local chapter leadership first. And then I saw an opportunity that I reached out to and I interviewed for, and I, I, you know, I was uh, given the position or I won that one or was selected for the position. Right. And just bringing new ideas, bringing new energy, bringing a different perspective that maybe um, wasn't there before, or maybe it was there before. It's just that the timing wasn't right. And I feel that it happens a lot. Like we all have, we have great ideas. Uh, a lot of the ideas are, they're not brand new ideas. They're ideas that maybe our uh, predecessors had thought before, but right. it just the timing wasn't right. Right. The timing mm-hmm. wasn't right. So um, so that's how I got involved in leadership was really through my professionalism uh, on and off the field and also my uh, my professional life as a former school teacher. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that makes total sense. So let's get into the NISOA side of things. Uh, so you, you know, you've been officiating college soccer for a while, for a long time, and have have had some great opportunities to work at at the collegiate level, um, and so that that's that's fantastic. Uh, and I think then obviously the the leadership side of things as well, which you've been able to offer to the NISOA community. Um, and I've told you this before. I, I'm so appreciative of what what you have done and what the team has done in the last few years. Um, so, so let's talk about that. I mean, the, talk about the collegiate game as far as, um, I think I know this answer, but as far as does, does the collegiate game have a strong place in referee development? And if so, does that kind of, where do you see that fit? Cause I know sometimes folks, I, we had this conversation about college, about high school and stuff that, you know, I I'm on the USSF path cause I'm going, I'm wanting to go to the MLS. I'm wanting to get a FIFA badge, all that kind of stuff. What are, where do you see the collegiate game fitting into that referee development? First, I love the collegiate game. Like yeah. the collegiate game is my favorite because it's still, I call it pure. It's still pure. It's still yeah. student athletes, right? These are student athletes who are trying to make it. You've got some of them that are trying to make it to the next level. You have some of them that are there for uh, the love of the game. You have some of them there because, uh, you know, depending on the level, it's to be involved, you know, or they're there on scholarship. They're there. So I love the collegiate game. The collegiate game provided me so many opportunities uh, to develop my own skill set as well as to advance. But time has changed. The time has changed where um, back where, you know, the collegiate game was the game where people, referees, you know, the professional system would look at referees from those areas and mm. uh, promote them. 
you know, and a lot of it was because there wasn't a development structure um, sure. back then like there is now, you know, now you have the professional referee organization, you know, those guys do a, that group does a tremendous job in, in, in identifying talent and developing talent for the next level. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's, you know, you have uh, MLS next Pro, you have more USL games. I mean, mm -hmm. I sound old when I say back in my day, you know, we had NASL, which was like six teams and USL was like six teams and that was it. So, you And know, you were you walking to those games uphill in the snow, right? Both barefoot. ways. Yeah, barefoot. Yeah, yeah when you yeah. were doing those games, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, in Florida, that. you know, barefoot <laughs> in, the, in the sand in Florida. So it's just... There is a place for it. I think there's, especially like with the players, you know, the, the the players used to be developed in the collegiate game for the professional level, but now there are more opportunities for players. You're seeing players that are not going to college that are getting, you know, you know, drafted or signed out of their club, you know, mm -hmm. the, the homegrown player um, allocation. So, and we've seen that in refereeing too. Refereeing is, you know, there's more games on the U.S. soccer side at the D Division Two and Division Three level that are providing that development opportunities, as well as the professional referee organization is uh, putting mentors, putting observers on matches, and they're they're getting out at the fields too to to you know get their hands on the officials to develop the talent. But having said that, the collegiate game provides opportunities and challenges that. Uh, it's difficult to replicate in other mm. uh, other avenues because of that desire, that will to win. It's that win win at any cost. That one game, you yeah. know. Whereas in the professional leagues, yeah. it's a season where they make a tie. Okay, we run to the next game. In the collegiate game, yeah. there's so much at stake because the season is shorter. Uh, the there's uh, less number of games and you know, the coaches are making a lot of money in the collegiate game. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot at stake for them. Uh, there's a lot of pressure for them to keep their jobs. Um, so it creates challenges for sure. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, I remember the days where, um, you know, I would, I was, in, I, when I get my appointments or my assignments for the year back in like, you know, the fall, the spring for the fall, and I would yeah. see, oh, I'm at UCF and I'm running a line for Alex Pruce. Mm. And back when Alex Pruce still a FIFA referee. And I was yeah. like, oh man, this is amazing. I had that, you know, that, that was circle on my schedule. Or another one where Sandra Serafini is coming down to University of Miami for a game. And I circled that one and she was a FIFA referee. So because the college game allowed you to work with referees from outside yeah. your local area, top level referees, some of our top mm -hmm. referees in the country who are working at the professional level. So that in itself was an incredible opportunity because, mm -hmm. for example, if you're living in Kansas, uh, let's say you're living in Lawrence and you're working a game at university or at KU, which is still University of Kansas. I don't understand why they call it University of Kansas, but it's KU. I know. But I'll put it in an email. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll note it here. Land. Yes. <laughs> so you're at KU, really in the middle of Heartland America. But yet the collegiate game allows you because the Big 12 tra travels in officials to work with uh, Alyssa Nichols, to work mm -hmm. with Corey Penso, 
Brooke Mayo, some of these top Natalie Simon, some of these top level officials that you would never have the opportunity to work with if it wasn't for the collegiate game. And yeah. you get to learn from them, right? You you see how they interact with players. You see how they control the game, the fouls they call, the movement they have. So that's where I feel the collegiate game yeah. plays such an important role in the development at the early stage, before you even get in the middle and starting getting referee appointments. Right. Now that's changed a little bit because of, you know, the, the union um, right. and, you know, the professional referees not allowing officials to work certain number of games and, and that kind of thing that I'm, I don't really, mm -hmm. I don't know a whole lot about, but just the overall premise of it. So it creates, um, but that creates opportunity. It creates opportunity yeah. for, for other officials to get chances. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's special. The college game is special because it'll afford you opportunities to referee high level soccer with high level people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and I think it's, it's got its, it's got its place in the referee development pathway. And I think you've given us a strong case for that. I think there's many that would agree. Shoot. I mean, I could recount some scenarios. I, I'll give him a shout out because he lets us use his office space for our podcast. But I think I learned more working, running John Freeman's line on communication devices than I've learned in almost any course put together. Right. I mean, just listening to him interact with players and manage situations and coaches and things like that. I mean, so I, I echo those sentiments 100 um, percent. Same with so Corey Rockwell. Right. Yeah. Corey Rockwell is like just like John Corey Rockwell is the master at it, you know, and to be able to work with Corey Rockwell in matches, uh, especially early in my career um, was mm -hmm. it was magical because it's like you get to learn the tips and the tricks of the pros or the experienced officials that they're not taught, right? They're learned. Right. Yeah. And you do. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was incredible. And, and that's where it's so special. And more and more conferences are starting to travel officials. So it also gives the referee and the assistant referee the opportunity to travel because it's a different yeah. level of professionalism when you're traveling for a match. And I was very fortunate in my collegiate career to almost traveled too much <laughs> at times yeah. where I was traveling all over the country for matches and it allowed me to meet so many uh, incredible people from all over uh, the country uh, that, you know, I can say that the friendships that I've made have been more valuable than the matches I officiated because yeah. it's always better when you're working with your friends uh, mm -hmm. it always helps with your comfort level as well as your mm -hmm. professionalism um, versus, you know, maybe somebody you're not, you know, you don't know, um, mm -hmm. but you have to trust because, you know, you're there for the same reason. That relationship piece is so huge. And I think even to trace back to your original getting started in officiating, right, that was what propelled you to continue your path and then what keeps you going as you continue to at any level, right? Whether you're just a brand new referee or you're, you're moving into the collegiate side, you're upgrading to that kind of thing, or, or whether you're the manager of refereeing for CONCACAF, relationships continue to be a hallmark piece of why we stay involved in this kind of thing. Um, so as far as on the NISOA side, before we move on to, to futsal CONCACAF related stuff, um, the direction of NISOA, where things are headed in the collegiate game, I know that there's, and I won't, we won't get into this, but I know that there's 
you know, you have some other organizations that are at play. There's some other pieces at play. Assigners have choices as far as officials they use and the, the different platforms and things. Where do you see NISOA moving? Are you optimistic? I would assume you are uh, in where NISOA continues, how NISOA continues to serve the collegiate game and its officials. Uh, what's that path look like and um, where are we headed? Just like the collegiate game has evolved over time, you know, the referee organizations that service the collegiate game, specifically NISOA, must evolve also over yeah. time. Uh, there was a, you know, there was a time where, you know, education was being done through PowerPoints. Mm. There was a time where education was then clinics. There was a time where it was, you know, webinars. I mean, there were moments where we would crave as college referees just to get clips yeah. of any game, professional, you name it. Mm -hmm. Then it was, well, I want to see more college games. And then it was, okay, well, you know, I'm, re I'm screen recording on my phone, uh, you know, to get the, the college clip. That's, you know, the, the game of the week that was on Fox sports on Friday mm -hmm. nights. Um, but the game it's evolving, right? Like, you know, I, I like to, I'm very proud of the work that we've done at NYSOA, you know, mm -hmm. specifically since I've been involved, um, but also the the past because you know you need to stand on the shoulders of the giants before you in order yeah. to see the future and to be able to you know we looked at you know first off you know the Terry Vaughn referee of the week you know recognizing yeah. high performing match officials uh throughout throughout the season is special it's special to me it started off as just the nice old referee of the week and then it has morphed into you know the Terry Vaughn nice old referee of the week uh presented by official sports <laughs> Because we need to provide our uh, members more visibility. Yeah. Because yeah. NISOA is not an assigner. NISOA is a an education and membership driven organization. Right. We also need to look at how we can provide opportunities. How do we provide opportunities for our members? Mm -hmm. So we need to showcase them. Right. Whether it's bringing, uh, doing the Terry Vaughn NISOA for the week, whether it's recommendations to conference assigners whether it's uh, recommendations to the NCAA, bringing uh, instructors and assigners to NURSA, the, the College Club National Championship event for identification purposes. Um, those are things that I feel that NISOA is moving in that direction, moving into the direction of providing visibility and opportunity and value because yeah. you have a choice to be a member of NISOA. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we value each and every one of the 4,900 members that we have. Mm -hmm. And, but we also want them to feel the value that they receive, uh, whether that be educational value. You know, Corey Rockwell and Amanda Ross do an incredible job with the education for the match officials as well as the assessors. I think we're the old. we're the only organization that has an established, structured, evaluation program and that evaluation mm -hmm. program is going to be critical to the success of advancement for referees yeah. because that information needs to be shared with the ncaa and john collins um, for postseason appointments and selections because i think god you know we're in an age where everything is data driven you know we want yeah. we want we want yeah. fairness and the only way to get that fairness is to have that data that drives um uh, decisions. 
So I see NISOA as being uh, very uh, complementary and supportive to the NCAA and their mission, uh, as well as um, being inclusive with um, different uh, gender, you know, different ethnicities, as well as the women uh, refereeing, yeah. uh, providing opportunities, because, you know, I've always been a firm believer, and this was said to me by somebody else, but I will steal it from them, is that we want our referees to be reflective of the student athletes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We also be diverse. Um, and diversity, with diversity comes uh, incredible opportunity. Uh, so, you know, that's something that with NISO and the RIDE committee, um, mm -hmm. they do an incredible, incredible uh, work there uh, to provide awareness of, of different, um, you know, equity amongst uh, our referee community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have the Women's Summit, where we, we have the Women's mm -hmm. Summit passed with the NCAA uh, Women's College Cup, which the NCAA helps uh, support. Um, this year, I just saw, I got an email from, you know, Managing Director Tori Penso, and I saw on mm -hmm. LinkedIn that, you know, they have, you know, the keynote speakers for the Women's College Cup Summit is going to be Tori, Brooke Mayo, and Mihensa Rentsch from Suriname, which was the trio for the World Cup, for the Women's yeah. World Cup so, uh, it's incredible what NISOA can do with the resources and the people that it has in, in position. But the local chapters play a major, major part into the success mm -hmm. of NISOA, right? You know, as you know, with recruitment, you know, mm -hmm. you're you're the you're the first, you're the you're the entry point. You are yeah. the first impression the local chapters are for for our new members. And you, the local chapter, is the the conduit to the the NISOA executive leadership for leadership opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, so I see, I am hopeful, and I am uh, very optimistic that we're going to see stronger uh, grassroots efforts with, with the local chapter in the future, as well as we're going to see opportunities for match officials to have to achieve their goals, whatever, whether that is to reach at the professional level or mm -hmm. to just be a college cup referee or just be a serviceable uh, referee at your local level because mm -hmm. those are the games you want to do and you want to do them to the best of your ability. And that's what yeah. we're here for, provide you that education for that. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful what you guys have done, and I'll, I I said it already, but I'll continue to say it. We appreciate uh, so. I mean, I'll speak on behalf of our Kansas City chapter. We appreciate so greatly what you guys have done and the direction NISOA continues to move. We are we're on board. So uh, we've all gotten the tattoos, the NISOA tattoos. So I mean, we're all in, Lance. So you're uh, saying if we change the logo, it's going to be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, if you could just fund the rebranding, we'll put it that way, uh, then we'll be fine. But yeah, please don't, please don't change it because it was painful. Anyway, um, so let's talk futsal. Uh, I I work at the grassroots level of futsal, and I will tell you, I love it. I love futsal, and and it could be it could be because I'm a basketball and a soccer official, so I'm like, oh, it's these two things coming together, like inside and soccer. But how did you get? Uh, not just into futsal, but into futsal. How did that come about? The Check Complete podcast is brought to you in part by JF Consulting Tax Preparation and Bookkeeping. Taxes suck, we can help.
Well, this has been season two, episode 10. Yeah. Of the Check Complete podcast. I am a uh, 10. He is, you're a 10. Yeah. You Aaron, are a 10. And Aaron was the nine. A dime piece. Yeah, Aaron was the nine. Yeah. Um, Ryan Cook, thanks for being here, man. Always honored. Appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Sorry the schedule didn't work out before, but I'm so glad I made it. That's okay. I'm just glad your people and our people could work something out. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's what it is. Um, huge thank you to Lance Van Heitsma for his time. Uh, just phenomenal guy. Um, and a beautiful man, by the way. Absolutely. Lance, beautiful, beautiful man. Thank yeah. you, Lance. Thank You're a good you. guy. Yeah. I miss you. Yeah. So we'll have Lance uh, and we'll get Mark on, and then we're going to do the Lance and Mark show. Not a beautiful man, Mark. So, oh, wow. Oh, gosh. Cahan's going to. I still love him. But he has his shots points. fired here. All right, Mark. <laughs> oh, not Mark Teeman, Mark Cahan. No, Mark Cahan. We're editing this. Yeah, you got to edit. We're talking oh, about Mark Cahan. Mark Cahan. So we'll have Mark Cahan on, and then we'll have the Lance and Mark show at some point as well. Mark Cahan's fantastic. Yeah, he's, he is wonderful. Um, so thank you. Uh, we would love to hear back from you if you have different items that you would like to share with us, things you'd like for us to talk about. We are going to nerd out again. Don't worry. Uh, I know this has been two episodes without nerding out. We, that segment is not gone. Uh, we just kind of took a brief break, a breather from that, if you will. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe to our content, please, on all of our platforms. We are, we're not begging, but we are begging you to like and subscribe to that. And if you could just... Like what we were saying, right? Just like tell a friend and then have that friend tell a couple more friends and like they can kind of be their own boss of this thing. It's kind of like, uh, no, it's not an MLM. We're not asking you to be a part of an MLM, but we are wanting you to like and subscribe to our content because we think it's pretty great. And if you could share this within your referee community, that would be awesome. Uh, at check complete, or excuse me, at check underscore complete on Twitter and Instagram, check complete podcast on uh, the Book of Faces, uh, if you want to check us out there. And if you're not already watching on YouTube, you can watch these uh, on YouTube. Um, like and subscribe to those videos. Um, subscribe to our channel as well would be much appreciated. I don't know what he just said. Get people to watch. Yeah, yeah, watch and listen. We would like that. So uh, thanks again, uh, Ryan, Ry Ry, uh, T. Ryan Cook. We that appreciate not, you. That was not approved. And... And uh, Lance Van Hates, we appreciate you as well. We'll see you next time for season two, episode number 11. Bye-bye.